Zechariah 10, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who makes the storm clouds. He gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field to everyone. The idols speak deceit. Diviners see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. They give comfort in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep oppressed for lack of a shepherd. My anger burns against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders, for the Lord Almighty will care for his flock, the house of Judah, and make them like a proud horse in battle. From Judah will come the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler. That is our reading this morning. Here, deep in these prophecies of Zechariah in chapter 10, we've got an encouragement to pray today. We read in verse 1, Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who makes the storm clouds. He gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field to everyone. God is telling the prophet to remind the people to pray. And how crazy is that? This isn't a message to people who don't know the Lord. This is a message to His people. Don't they know they're supposed to pray? Don't they know that God makes the storm clouds and that God is the source of every blessing? It's like, duh, Zechariah. This we know. They knew it, but they needed reminding. The leaders of God's people in those days, catch that in our verses, were leading them astray, especially to depend on other things like false gods, verse 2 tells us. Our situation as God's people today on, on this other side of the cross is in some ways very, very different from God's people then. But in other ways, it's similar. We know these things too, but we also need reminding. We know that God is the source of all blessings. Uh, We know, many of us, what our, our catechism says when it summarizes the Bible's teaching on prayer. When it says, God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually. But we forget. And forgetting to pray is not so different from saying, I don't need the Lord. Not praying means depending on something other than God. Maybe ourselves uh, approaching life with an I've got this attitude about our jobs, our families, our finances, when we know that's foolishness. We need help from on high for all of it desperately in our lives. I know I do. And so the call comes to us this morning, each one of us, come on, wake up. God is the source of every blessing. So ask the Lord for rain. Verse 4 is a prophecy about Jesus, and it gives us four great reminders of why we pray 
as it shows us who the coming Savior would be. From Judah will come, says verse 4. Judah is one of the tribes of Israel, and it was promised that Jesus, the Messiah, the coming Savior, would come from that tribe. So we know this is a promise about Jesus. From Judah will come the cornerstone, the tent peg, the battle bow, every ruler. Those are four descriptions of Jesus, and they're also four great reminders to pray. First, we pray because Jesus is our firm foundation. We pray to him because of that. That's what a cornerstone is. It's the foundation of a building. Isaiah 28, 16 says, Jesus is our precious cornerstone and our firm foundation, and the one who trusts in him will never be dismayed. In the ancient world especially, the cornerstone, that was the largest and the most solid stone of the whole building. And if that stone was secure, the rest of the building would hold fast and last and be secure. And all the other stones were set up and built in reference to the cornerstone. Everyone is building their life on something or someone. Matthew 7 says, wise people build their life on the rock, on Jesus, on the cornerstone. If we build on Jesus, we'll be secure. I'm sure most of us have heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Apparently, its design was flawed from the very beginning. They only dug a 10-foot deep foundation for that many-story high tower. And also, Pisa, I think that's the region it's in, you know what it means? It means marsh. So that whole region, including the tower, it's built on marshland. There are all kinds of people in this world, sometimes we do it too, who are living their life on an inadequate foundation. They're tilting. When the storms of life come, they can't stand firm. The Bible says if we want a solid life, instead of a life that's always tilting, a life that stands straight and firm when the inevitable storms of life come, You pray to the one who is the cornerstone, and you ask him to be your rock, your cornerstone. And that's not a one-time prayer because the devil and the world sneakily try to get us to build on other foundations. So every day, we ask to stay founded on Jesus. We ask God's guidance to develop every part of our life in relation to him, our worship, our work, our families, our abilities, our possessions, all lined up in relation to the cornerstone. And and God's word directs us how to do that. And we pray for wisdom to apply his word to our lives every day. This is a prayer for the church too. Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of of the apostles and the prophets, that's the scriptures, with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. A church can think a firm foundation is one of all kinds, you can think of all kinds of things. A church might think 
The firmest foundation that we can have is money in the bank. The firmest foundation we can have is lots of young families and children. You can think of almost anything. God's Word says the foundation is Jesus, and it's His Word. And, and so we're reminded together this morning at Faith to pray that we're building as a church on the right foundation, Jesus and His Word. We pray that God would keep us rooted in that foundation, that we do all our worship, our ministries, our, our giving and stewardship, our serving, our outreach in relation to the cornerstone. He determines our mission, our plan, our activities. We're secondly reminded to pray along the lines of that second picture of Jesus. We're reminded to pray because Jesus is able to bear all our burdens. That's that second reference, tent peg. That's not a familiar name of Jesus. And really, a better translation of that word is nail. It, was a wood, it would have been a wooden peg in those days. The Hebrew word used for tent peg in the Bible sometimes means a peg or nail that goes in the wall where you hang things. And a lot of Bible translations say nail here, like, like pots, other household items in those days. Isaiah twenty two twenty five, if you want to check it out, uses this same word in that way. Well, how is Jesus our nail or peg? And what does that mean for our prayer life? Well, if you imagine a secure nail in a wall, you can feel good about hanging important things there, like a precious portrait of the family or, or a painting. When it's, it's a good nail anchored well, that precious item is not going to fall on you. In, in the bathroom upstairs in our house that our, our, our girls share, some hooks were put into the wall very solidly originally, four of them. One day, a number of months ago, I don't know the details, I don't want to know the details, somehow a towel got yanked on so hard that it pulled that hook out of the wall. I'm sure you've never had anything like that happen at your house. Now, I've been doing some more handy things, little, little handy things around the house just the last couple of years, so I decided to take care of this. I used some of my patching plaster, and, and I filled in the spot. I, I let it dry. I anchored the hook again, although there were, there were two nails, so two anchors. One of the anchors cracked as I was working on it, so I just had a screw on one side and then an anchor and a screw on the other side. A day later, it was drooping. So I did a more thorough job. I dug deeper into the wall, um, added plaster. I really let it dry. I painted over it. I properly anchored it. And the result is this. You can see it there. That looks pretty good, right? But do you notice something about it? Nothing is hanging on it. And my instruction to the girls is not to use it. Because it's better than it was, but it's already just a little bit loose. I don't trust my work. I don't think it will hold the things we need it to, even, even a towel. Here's the thing. When we don't pray, 
I think we're treating Jesus as that empty, empty wall hook. It's like we think he's unable to really handle everything we can give him. But the fact is, he is able. We know it because God's word says it. Psalm 68, 19. God, our Savior, is able to daily bear our burdens. Jesus is our reliable nail. He's solid. He's anchored so deeply in that while there's nothing he can't handle, your worries, your loved ones, the burdens of even our vilest of sins, Jesus is almighty. He's God. He can handle everything we give over to him. And, and so don't leave it hanging empty. In prayer, we give him our burdens, our struggles, our cares. We entrust him with all of those many things that we find so precious in our lives, our, our families, our, our dreams, our future. There's a third reminder to pray, and it's related to the third picture of Jesus. We're reminded to pray because in Jesus, we have the victory. From him, the battle bow. Jesus is called the Lion of Judah, which tells us of his victory over his enemies, his victory over sin and death. All people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us has blown it in our relationship with God. We've blown it in our relationship with others. But God sent Jesus in the fullness of time to succeed where we failed. This is why he came at Christmas to go to the cross, to rise again, to win the victory of sin so that all who believe in him would also be victorious over sin and death in the grave. In our failures, we go in prayer to the one who has succeeded, thankful that he's gracious to forgive and apply his victory to us through the Holy Spirit. And day by day, we can win victories over sin and temptation. Because the Bible says he has spiritual armor for his people. We don't have to face sin on our own and keep stumbling and failing in it. We pray to him, and he'll answer. He'll help us. There's one other reminder of prayer. We pray, too, because he's in complete control from him, every ruler. The New Testament talks about Jesus receiving all authority in, in heaven and on earth. We read in verse 1 that Jesus gives rain, God gives rain to everyone, not just his own people. So his care, his control extends to all creation, the entire universe, all people, every nation, every ruler. That's how expansive the authority of our Jesus is. But we see his authority and we see his sovereignty, especially in our salvation and how that works. The rest of that chapter that I didn't read talks about that. Verse 8 and following, I will signal for them and gather them in. Surely I will redeem them. God calls his people to himself that signal is a technical word for a special whistle 
a shepherd used to gather in the sheep. God, the shepherd, signals his people through the gospel, through the word. He gathers his lambs through his church, and he gathers even every single one of us. And so we're reminded to ask the Lord for rain, to pray to him who's in control of all things, the one who has the ability to give all things, especially our salvation and our eternal security. So four reminders to pray from God's word. I just want to share that as church leaders, we've been trying to emphasize prayer in the last couple of months. Not that prayer has been unimportant before. One of the biggest tasks of the elders of this church has always been to pray, to pray for our church, to pray for each member in their district. You know, by the way, they are so pleased when you share with them specific items in your life that they can be in prayer for. That's what they're called to do, and they love to do it. They're praying for you. If you don't give them specific prayer requests, they're praying for you more generally. Give them those prayer requests. Our men's prayer group at Faith for years has been vigilant in prayer. Every Wednesday morning, elders meetings, deacons meetings, committee meetings, gems, cadets, so much else in the life of our church has prayer as such a critical piece. And that's not even speaking of all of us as individuals praying. But even with all that, we're talking about bringing prayer to another level. One of our elders recently reminded us of the incredible ministry of Charles Spurgeon. Maybe you've heard of him. He's, he's known as one of the, the greatest preachers who ever lived. His sermon spoke so powerfully to people that there wasn't enough room in his huge church to hold them all. No doubt Spurgeon was a gifted guy. He was a good preacher and speaker. No doubt Spurgeon worked really hard on those sermons. But the key to that church and the ministry there was what was happening behind the scenes. In the basement of the church, it was the Metropolitan Tabernacle, there were continually, always, people on their knees praying for the church. And Spurgeon called that the powerhouse of the church. Not his sermon studies, not the great music, not this or that program. The powerhouse was people praying. And it still is the only powerhouse. As elders and deacons, we want to be a praying church like never before. Because even with all the hard work that we're all doing together, you know what? We're only going to be spinning our wheels without the blessing of God. The Bible says, ask the Lord for rain. He gives showers of rain to men. And so we're calling out to him. We're asking him to bless the people and the ministries of our church, yes. But also, especially we've been called to ask him to shower rain on each and every worship service because we believe worship is so central to the life of the church because in worship comes the proclamation of God's word. And through preaching comes faith 
says the Bible. And we want to be people of faith. We want to grow in faith. So I ask you to join us in praying for our church, perhaps like you've never prayed before. Because what can we hope to accomplish if we're not asking God to bless us? It's really for nothing if we don't ask the Lord for his presence, for his will to be done, for the outpouring of his joy and blessing and courage in the days we're living in, in the mission he has for us at Faith Christian Reformed Church. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. For our personal lives, for our church, what don't we have because we're not asking for it? Of course, God knows best, and sometimes he says no to what we ask for, but he definitely won't give if we don't ask. If we don't ask God to pour out his blessings on us in our homes, in our church, you think he would? If we don't ask, I believe it's pretty close, if not the same, as saying, if we're not praying, it's saying, we're doing pretty well down here on our own. We've got it handled. My marriage, I can do it on my own. This church, we got it handled. But we know that's not right. We need him, friends. You need him so much. We look at these powerful reminders of, of why we pray. Jesus is our firm foundation. He's able to bear all our burdens. We have the victory in him. And he's in complete control of all things. So go to him. Ask the Lord for rain in your own life, for your loved ones, for this world around us. And I'm asking you especially to ask God to bring the rain of his blessing on this church. What's a next step that each one of us, man, woman, boy, girl, what's a next step that you can take to be a person of prayer? Amen.